Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to. You can pick their brain. You can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another Friday Breakdown edition of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Before we jump into this one, I'm going to go ahead and announce our October winner for the Onyx Elite membership for our listener success story submittals. Uh, as we've said in the last couple episodes, we've moved our listener success stories over onto the website. And there's actually a page there now where you can go and check out different listener success stories. Uh, you can read about them. You can see the pictures and everything. Uh, you can comment on them. 
and also when you go on there and you share your listener success story, you get entered in to win uh, an Onyx membership. So we're going to do it month by month. Uh, we just got these memberships in from Onyx, so we are now going to be giving the first one away for October. We also got a bunch of submissions for November, and we will be also giving uh, November's on X Elite membership away on the next Friday breakdown, so next week. So y'all be watching out for that, uh, especially if you submitted a listener success story in November. Make sure you're paying close attention to that one. Um, and then for those of you who are hunting right now in December, uh, make sure you you submit your listener success stories. If you're you know if you're out and you get a buck or a doe or really any deer at all, uh, make sure that you let us know about it. Uh, also, this is not limited to, you don't have to necessarily shoot your deer in December. So if you if you got one earlier in this, this season or you got one in October, November, and you're just now kind of learning about this, go ahead and submit it and you'll go in the pool for December. Uh, so we're going to be doing this throughout the fall, but without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and announce this winner. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and apologize if I butcher your name, but uh, this one is from Friday, October 21st. Um, first name, Con, last name, Petite. Uh, man, I'm sorry if I messed up that name. I think I got it right, though. Uh, Louisiana Hunter, you were successful on October 11th, 2022 with a pretty cool uh, velvet buck. So congrats on that. Uh, just reach out when you hear this, and we will definitely get that get that Onyx Elite membership headed your way. Um, like I said, everyone, tune in next week for the November drawing. We're looking forward to that as well. So I hope everyone's having a really good week. Hope everyone's having luck this weekend while they're out hunting. And I uh, appreciate y'all listening. So now let's uh, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another Friday breakdown edition of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm sitting here in the studio with the ginger bow hunter himself. How you doing over there, Jacob Myers? Doing excellent, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Sitting back here behind the computer. I'm uh, sitting behind the computer right now because I've actually got Onyx pulled up. Because uh, we got a review recently from a longtime listener, and he was saying that when we're talking about certain terrain features, we ought to give a little bit more like uh, measurements and stuff, like background of like mm-hmm. what we're like. If we're talking about a thermal hub, it's like, well, how big is that thermal hub? So uh, we might read that review here at the end of this, but yeah, we're going to talk about some stuff in this little Friday breakdown where I'll probably measure it out and say like, okay, yeah, this pine thicket I'm hunting, this is a 80 acre pine thicket or whatever. You know, kind of give people a, a, a little bit more of a visual. It was good. It was it was a good recommendation on there. I don't know if you saw that review. Yeah, no, I did. So, uh, anyways, um, man, Monday's episode, Scott Seals, Nick Harris, excellent episode in my opinion. An episode that I came home from doing that episode, and Tiff was like, "Hey, how how'd it go?" I was like, "I've been waiting to do that episode for a while." Like it was that was good for me because you know we hunt the same place as them. Everyone heard the story about the wizard buck. Um, I'm trying to think. Of what episodes we actually discussed that buck on back in, I guess it was 2020? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was 2020. Um, I'm trying to think. It was That was back when we were doing the outros. Yeah, it, we were doing a lot. It was like November, December is when we talked about, I think, a good bit, because that's when Michael was trying to kill him. And, mm-hmm. But yeah. So. so back then we were doing the outro. Back then we called it the outro, and it was tacked on to the Monday episode. So... Uh, at the end of every Monday episode at that time was that's when the the outro slash Friday breakdown was and that's when we discussed it for the most part mm-hmm. so it's in one of those episodes I don't know exactly no, a, which it's, one it's in a few of them but anyways that specific deer if any anyone's been listening since 2020 you've heard about that deer but um, Scott was able to kill him and it's we got to see him in person he's a <laughs> he's a big and he's, he's a so, good deer he's so big but uh so a little backstory and I mentioned this in the episode on Monday's episode. Um, but 
the, a little bit of backstory about, you know, with, with Scott and Nick and some of the other guys over in the group, you know, Alan and Mark. Uh, I had heard about these guys back in 20 – it might have been 2019 now I'm thinking about, fall of 2019. Um, the the manager for the for this piece of public land, he was showing me a, a photo, which I guess technically – Probably wasn't supposed to take. He wasn't supposed to. He wasn't supposed to take. And uh-huh. uh, it was an absolute giant. Just, you know, I think the deer turned out to be like 17 point deer. Just an absolute giant. Mm-hmm. Something that if it was on the internet uh, or Facebook, it would have blown up and people would have yeah. flocked to this area yeah. uh, seeing a deer like this. And um, I talked to the, the, the manager and I was talking to him about this and I was, you know, trying to figure out these guys. He's like, yeah, you know, it's a group of, you know, these older guys that, you know, they've been hunting out here for, you know, 20 plus years. They kill, you know, huge deer like this every single year out here. And I'm like, well, who are they? Because we were doing the podcast. So I was like, I'd love to interview them. He's like, I can't tell you their names. Because <laughs> if I told you their names, they'd get really pissed because they don't do, they don't post anything on social media. They keep to themselves. Yep. Uh, and they just kill really big deer. Um, and I was like, well, crap. And he wouldn't give me any kind of, you know, he did pretty good. You know, he did pretty mm-hmm. good about, you know, not telling us, who you know, of course, who they were or anything like that. And of course... Uh, Scott became a listener of the podcast back, uh, when, you know, Michael was hunting the wizard and everything and come to find out, you know, Scott, Nick, and, you know, Alan and Mark, who Alan Mark weren't in this episode, uh, or that group, you know, these are the group of guys that we've heard about for quite a while. Yep. He's been killing, I mean, giants down there since the, you know, early two thousands. Um, and really yeah. even, they were really even hunting it before, um, you know, just back in the day. I mean, just like, even longer than even you know, 20 plus years ago. So. Um, it, it's been, it's been super interesting to kind of, you know, f- learn from these guys of what's helped them be successful, you know, and see Scott's wall and then see, see some of the deer that Nick's killed. I'm like, dude, y'all killing giants, man. Yeah. I was telling them it kind of came full circle to me because this is a place that, that I've hunted pretty much my entire life, same place as them. And when I was younger, I, I thought it was the worst place ever to hunt a deer. I thought there was no deer on it. I thought there was no big bucks. You know, I just, I didn't think it was that good of a place. And so I always like just wanted to go to other parts of the state and then, you know, you kind of start figuring out what you're doing a little bit more and you start learning and getting a little wiser and then you end up meeting people like Scott and you're like, oh, okay, maybe this place isn't all that bad after all, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and you know, guys like that really showed me the, the true potential of that, that place that we hunt a lot. So um, this is a, a really, really fun episode. And uh, what were some of your main takeaways from it? Because there, there was a couple things in here that I kind of, you know, that were interesting to me. Well, uh, one, just talking to Scott, and I talked to Scott for like an hour and a half or almost two hours uh, on my drive back from Arkansas. I called him one night, you know, brainstorming about the podcast. I was like, man, this dude's going to be fun on the podcast. Like, this is going to be mm-hmm. a good time. And, um, and he talked about in the episode some, which was, you know, knowing your equipment. You know, these guys, you know, they archery hunt. And but they also hunt a lot with firearms because you know the rut here, you know, in Alabama, you know, co- coincides with uh, you know, firearm season, and there's a lot of you know, firearm hunts during that time of the year on these different pieces of public land. So, you know, one thing he talked about is different from some of our other guests, where some of our other guests are like very much like thick cover, thick cover, thick cover, get in the side of the thicket, you know, don't really don't worry about seeing really far. His mindset is, I want to be able to see the furthest possible where I have a visual advantage, you know, out to, you know, hundreds of yards uh, and shot opportunities where I have to, you know, execute a shot in a very short window of time when I can see that deer. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And I can see, you know, how you can have success in, in, in something like that, where you're trying to find like a big visual advantage and really know your equipment and be able to shoot out to extended ranges very, very quickly. Um, so I thought that was, that was a big takeaway. 
but also just the idea of just, you know, how these guys hunt, you know, based off like hunting pressure, like Scott talked about it, Nick talked about it, you know, a lot of these places, like you're going to see other hunters while you're hunting these certain locations. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be other guys there. And it's like, you have to have the mindset like, Hey, like anything that happens before nine o'clock is a bonus, but most guys are going to leave the woods by nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, there's sweet spots from like 10 to two, 10 to three. And they kind of sit that, you know, midday period when everybody else is driving around and, you know, heading back to the truck. And that's when they're killing a lot of these big deer. Um, and I was like, you know, that's, that's pretty slick, dude. Like, even if you're seeing guys don't, you know, don't let it deter you from like, you know, holding tight in that spot and, and, and wait until, you know, that, you know, mid morning time comes. And that's when the bucks are going to be up cruising, whether someone's bumping them yep. or he's up cruising for does and, and covering some ground. That 10 to two time frame, And they're not the first people that we've heard talk about that specific time frame. Uh, a lot of your big deer killers talk about that time frame, especially a lot of the deep south guys that we talk to, like a lot of Alabama guys talk about that midday movement. Uh, wasn't Adrian Farley one of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Adrian, and, and especially Solomon. the guys who hunt the really thick cover too, by yeah. the way. Yeah, Glenn Solomon, he, he was, when I talked about it, he talked, it was like Pavlov's dogs mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, the bucks here, you know, everybody crank up their trucks and those loud pipes just start mm-hmm. popping off and people, you know, driving them down gravel roads sends those deer to get up on their feet and start moving. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that, can, that that's like the hunting club, dude. Which we can talk about this a little later. But I've learned that in the club, you saw it this weekend driving around or whenever you were out there with me. Those suckers drive right up to their shooting houses. I mean, right up to the shooting house. Like they're they're scared to like walk a hundred yards. Like, I, I just I don't understand it. I mean. Yeah, I mean they park very, very close to the shooting house within thirty yards, and uh, I'm or like, some of them like literally pull out and get to the point where you they pretty much can just like step up out of the truck and step into the <laughs> yeah. step into the freaking shooting house. Yeah, I'm like, man, these deer know that y'all are here. There's no doubt. But anyways, um, yeah, that was a big thing hunting the hunting the open areas, the gas lines, cutovers, power lines where you can see far. Um, one kind of interesting thing about that specific tactic is. That is definitely something that a lot of people do, and that's something that that me and you have been doing for a while. So it's like, why are they so much more successful at it than than the average person? Which I would include us in the average person. Yeah, you know? I- uh, is it just more fine tuned? Uh, are they doing it in a better spot? You know, because what's the difference between you know just going and sitting somewhere on a gas line where you can see really far versus fine tuning and picking a spot? on that gas line where you can see far in a strategic location, you know? Well, not just that, but also one thing, um, you know, again, like, like I mentioned, like Scott and Nick both said, like, you're going to see other guys there. Like there's gonna be other guys probably sitting like mm-hmm. maybe three, 400 yards from me, 500 yards from me, 600 yards from me, but those guys leave. And I think a big factor with a lot of success, like, yeah, they kill some deer early. Like, like Scott killed the wizard really early. I think at six thirty in the morning, um, but a lot of their deer they're killing later in the morning, and it's like after everybody's left is yeah. when they're killing them. So like I think a lot of it is people like you're, when you're sitting on like one of those spots. Cause that's not one of those spots opening day. Um, you get a little distracted, or like like times like you're just looking at a very narrow little window, and you're like, okay, I can see far, but it's like I don't know. Like I feel like you, your mind gets away from you. And you're like, I'm just gonna get up and start walking around, or I'm gonna go back to the truck. Like, yeah. And I think that's the factor. Is like if you can sit there for another three or four hours, that's when you're gonna have that success of that big buck coming cruising through. And again, having the right terrain feature, having you know thick cover close by, terrain features, the whole nine yards. 
but I think a lot of it has to do like not many guys are sitting there long enough. So like maybe they're catching deer come through like right at daybreak in that, you know, eight, nine o'clock window. But by 10, 10 30, a lot of those guys are leaving and they're, they're missing a, uh, you know, a, a window of time that some of those biggest bucks are up and moving. Yeah. Getting up on their feet. Um, and then Nick talked about hunting the hunters. He, he said that and he, I think he on the recording talked about a situation where he basically swung in behind a cutover and was essentially facing back towards where all the parking spots are and essentially just waited for people to kind of push the deer in. He talked about it on the recording, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. Uh, so basically getting, it's almost like it's kind of the same premise as like what Wes does, Wes Moe, um, how they go out and they do their wolf pack where they're just essentially watching escape routes in thick cover. And uh, that that's what Nick is doing, but he's just using the other hunting pressure as you know, his, his pushers, I guess, his deer drivers. Um, yeah. I think he talked about like one of the real big deer he killed was like a giant eight point. I mean, a monster deer, absolute giant deer, um, that, that buck, it was, it was raining that morning and he got out, it was supposed to stop running around like nine o'clock and he was out there like way before, you know, nine o'clock sitting in the rain and that nine o'clock second, the rain stopped, he could hear doors slam. You know, guys, yeah. you know, I already parked, ready to go, walking in. <laughs> yep. And he, like, not long after that's when that buck came, you know, coming through that thick cover where mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I can see him and get a shot at him and kill him. Um, I'd be curious if when doing that tactic, you know, we'll have to maybe have him back on and ask about this, but what the success rate is per, like, time of day, you know, it's is he shooting them at, like, I mean, is he seeing good success at, like, 830 in the morning after, like, maybe the deer's been laying there smelling these people for a while and now he's going to try to sneak out? Or is it like 1030 where everyone's shimmying down their pine trees and starting to walk in and, and he gets like a bump of movement because for some reason, everybody goes back to the truck at 10 a.m. Like, I mean, clockwork. I don't know what it is, especially here in Alabama. Uh, everybody goes back to the truck at 10 a.m. It's like, well, I'm sitting till 10. Breakfast, baby. Yeah. Go, I mean, go get some Hunt's Brothers pizza or got, something. Got to make it to Waffle House. <laughs> like, oh, if you get a Waffle House, yeah. Yeah, if you got one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's kind of kind of interesting. I'd be very curious to see if there's like a bump in in activity around that time. Uh, but yeah, I don't I, I don't think I asked him that on the recording. But interesting tactic. I was texting Zach, which we talked a little bit about the Eccles Buck and Zach Eccles on this uh, last podcast. Zach is the one he he hunts the same place that we were talking about, and he killed a what was it like a hundred sixty five inch buck? I think it was um, a couple years back. There, that is actually an episode. Um, it's somewhere in twenty twenty, and it's called Zach's one hundred sixty inch plus WMA monster or something like that. I can't remember the episode number, um, but you know, me and Zach were talking about it. And I was like, man, that you know, a lot of the stuff that they they talk about doing is is stuff that is not like a like a secret sauce or anything like that um a a lot of people know about the kind of tactics that they're using i think they're just doing them better Uh, and like you said they're more focused and intentional with what they're doing uh that they're they're sitting longer so they're catching that that movement that everyone else is missing out on um and they're they're just focusing on i guess some of the finer details and and capitalizing on them so 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 we actually i just i just found that episode by the way with zach's deer actually it was all of us zach austin you yeah, and me yep yep and uh we actually didn't even name, we didn't even number that episode this is a bonus episode so oh, really yeah it's from uh, december 17th uh 2020 is when that came out so it doesn't even have a, a number on there yeah that was uh, after we killed four bucks actually it says episode it's episode 211 um 
but it's, it's not showing that on the description. But anyways, yeah, episode 211. 211. <clears throat> nice. Okay. But back to what you were saying with that, that whole deer and everything, it's just kind of crazy. Um, you know, Nick seeing that deer and you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that a year before and just, you know, everything kind of putting together. I'll tell you that too, by the way. This is another thing. You know, I'm saying like, you know, they're not, uh, again, I, I feel like they're not necessarily doing anything crazy off the wall. You know, I feel like a lot of the tactics they were talking about, we like we knew about and we've even done some of them ourselves. But one thing I've noticed is every deer that we've had on camera or killed just about that I showed them, they're like, oh yeah, I saw that deer. Or, oh yeah, I I had that deer on camera. And I'm like, man, y'all are getting after it with the cameras out here. Uh, that That's the vibe I got for sure was they um they're covering some ground with cameras and they're they're crossing their t's and they're dotting their i's and that goes back to what i was saying is like well if you want to if you want to have that level of success and again they're they're hunting gas lines and cutovers and stuff like that and and maybe there's a a little bit of you know style to it that they're doing about about how they set up or where they set up but at the end of the day they're doing the same stuff that a lot of other people are doing they're just doing it better they're going out there and they're more familiar with the area they're more patient than everybody else. Uh, I mean, I don't know what's your take on that. No, I mean you're you're right. Um, also, I'll say this, especially like Nick. Like Scott was giving Nick crap about you know passing some deer that you know some yeah. of the deer he passes. And yeah, seeing some of the deer that he shoots for some of the deer he passes, I'm like, dude, you're passing deer at like 99 percent of everybody else on this place would be shooting. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, th- that's a, that was another thing, and that's something that they really stressed talking rut hunting where they're like anything before 9 a.m is a bonus they're like don't shoot that first deer like that, that first have... that first decent rack buck good rack buck mm-hmm. he's like just hold on especially as he said if you see him early like moving early like you see like a little rack buck and a you know a nice rack buck come through like oh, just hold on a second like this and that might be the thing is a lot of Dude. guys are killing that second buck popping out which is that good rack buck like a deer like again you and me probably mm-hmm. would shoot mm-hmm. and they're like hold out because if he's coming through early just wait until old big boy because he's like yeah, that's that's how you're gonna kill those big guys is like a lot of times those big bucks aren't the first buck to show up and i think a lot of guys are killing that first or second buck that pops out which is you mm-hmm. know a good deer but it's nothing like what these guys are killing yeah uh i agree 100 percent. and when he said that that just my mind immediately flashed back to like every freaking <laughs> two and a half year old i've just smoked at 7 a.m <laughs> <laughs> um, for real like sitting gas lines and stuff like i've got so many in my head that i immediately <laughs> thought about where it's like 7 12 a.m and this thing walks out and it's like a half rack i'm like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and it's like well my hunt's over now yeah so i don't know that uh, i was like hmm interesting <laughs> yeah interesting absolutely you kind of look back you're like dang I'm like uh, okay okay uh-huh like i i see now no but that i think that's it and that's like another factor of like why these guys are killing these deer and a lot of guys aren't um is again i think a lot of guys are killing that second buck that's popping out where they're talking about like dude like just hold out like scott said that a ton he's like just wait just Mm -hmm. wait Mm -hmm. so i mean it's you know i think because he was saying like that when he shot the wizard he had he almost shot a a nice eight point the day before in that spot but he kind of you know decided against it uh and so like i think he said like six or seven rack bucks come to that one spot Mm. And, yeah. he, and he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. And then, you know, the next morning he goes out and hunts it and freaking wizard's first deer, one of the first deer that pops out. Another thing that Scott talked about was the, the OS moments. So that goes into what you're just talking about right there. With He saw a nicer deer or a, a nice buck the, the day before he killed the wizard, but it wasn't a deer that made him say, oh, 
S, you know? So that that's something you talked to him about a good bit the first time that you called him, right? Yeah, and he's like, the whole idea, especially hunting these areas, he's like, I don't really need binos. Like, I don't think he carries binos with him mm-hmm. because he's, he's like, if I need to pull binos up to see, like, how a deer looks, it's not big enough for me to shoot. Yep. He's like, I want that deer, whether he's 300 yards or he's 50 yards from me. When it pops out, it is that, oh, shit moment okay and you know it's one of those things like i don't need binos to confirm it's a big deer i'm throwing the gun up i'm shooting um and he talked about that a ton and nick talked about that too is like you know the whole idea not not saying don't carry binos with you but their style of hunting in these areas is if they had to throw binos up and look like is he big enough or all that kind of stuff he's not big enough yeah for like what they're trying they're not to going shoot. for the between like the the between deer yeah you it, know. It, if you have to justify it to yourself like oh is he big, you know mm. it's not big enough to shoot in their eyes in the way they hunt Yes. Um, and I think, again, that's the difference between them and a lot of other guys is a lot of guys will shoot those nice bucks. Like, again, uh, Scott passed. He's like, you know, the eight point the day before that he shot the wizard. You know, he could have, he said it's, you know, pretty close to axes. I could get it to the truck pretty easy. Like, it, it, you know, 50 yard shot, nothing. He was sitting there. But again, it wasn't one of those bucks where it was like, oh, crap, you know, you know, it's, it's that deer. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, he passed it and shot a freaking slammer the next day. I mean, like literally like the yeah. wizard, like he, they taped the wizard is 154 inch buck. That's probably 13 inches wide. Mm-hmm. An absolute giant. Yeah. Just like, a huge buck. Yeah. Um, and, th- and they talk about, uh, having all these different deer on camera and passing these deer. And it actually relates to something I've been talking to Shane Parker about lately. Uh, I've been texting him and, and showing him some pictures of some deer I've had showing up on camera on the, the thing we talked about on the last Friday breakdown where I went and found this big community scrape. I've had some nice deer show up to it, which we can talk about later. But me and Shane were kind of talking about the the survivability of these bucks on public land is actually kind of impressive. When you, when you find somebody who really knows what they're doing and really knows where to put cameras and they can catch these mature bucks on camera... Like, I don't know how many big bucks Shane has on camera where he hunts, but it is a lot. And it's a heavily pressured place. The place we're talking about heavy, is a heavily pressured place. And uh, Nick and Scott, they've got a bunch of really big deer on camera out there. And I think that's probably helping them pass stuff because they know that there's a 145-inch nine-point, you know, or, or bigger. A lot bigger, yeah. You know, but that's what I'm saying. And not only that, but Nick kept talking about he's passing these big deer that most people on public would not pass. And I didn't talk to Nick about this directly, but that I, to me, that shows how confident he is in the survivability of these deer, where mm. just just because you pass it does not mean it's going to get killed. I mean, we're talking about a very heavily hunted piece of public land. You know, this isn't even like your, your hunting club or something that, that doesn't get near the kind of pressure that this place might get. Uh, and And he's... He wouldn't be passing them if he honestly thought they were all going to get killed, you know, if that's going to be like the end of the line for all these bucks. And uh, another place that kind of came through to me was when they were talking about when Pike was hunting the wizard really hard, when Michael was out there getting after him, and he he had like 10 days off of work in the rut, gun hunts, and Michael just went out there and just burned the boot leather getting after that deer. And he was talking to Nick about it at the time, and they basically just backed off and they just let Michael have it, you know? And they're like, eh, maybe he gets killed, maybe he doesn't. But he didn't sound like he was all that worried that the wizard was going to get killed, you know? They're, I just feel like they're uh, they're keying in on those bucks that nobody else can kill. And they're, they're doing simple, subtle things that allow them to kill those deer that nobody else is killing. You know, even somebody like Michael, who's a really good deer hunter, in my opinion. Uh, so that, that's kind of... 
that was a really interesting takeaway for me is just how how confident they are in passing nice deer on public where he was even talking about passing what did he say like a 130 inch buck or something or he's like yeah he'll be a good he'll be a really big deer next year i'm like i don't know of like anybody who sees a 135 inch buck on public and it's like yeah i'll be after him next year it's like you let that deer walk you're like he's dead he's good as dead i'll never see him again you know and uh and they didn't have that attitude which probably has a lot to do with with why they're so successful you know what's your opinion on that i don't know it's exciting (laughs) (laughs) yeah because again you're 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 seeing guys are doing this on again a piece of public that gets pounded it has a ton of hunting pressure it's um you know just it's hard to really get away from people and they're finding i mean giants that they're you know killing getting close calls with the whole nine yards um in an area that not to say like i wouldn't expect them to be there because i you know i know there's the qualities there but it's just like the consistency it's like you think it's one out of you know every 300 bucks is something like what they're finding mm-hmm. and i'm not saying it's, it's higher or lower than that but they're able to find a lot of those bucks and really keep up with them and they, you know scott talked about i think a little bit in the episode but i didn't go in much detail but again we left a lot on the bone to have them back on have both of them back on but you know i think scott was saying like his biggest buck he's ever shot ever was with a bow down there and it's bigger than anything he's ever killed and mm-hmm. uh, they, they just couldn't recover that deer um and you know they were throwing out some numbers just for giant an absolute giant world-class buck um but it's during archery season opening day of archery season yeah um and it's like it's not that you know they're having to kill these deer necessarily with a rifle but it's just especially around the rut they've been able to pattern stuff and one thing we didn't talk about with scott with like he he caught he called like his kind of claim to fame is feed tree hunting and he feed tree hunts on, a, on this property that don't really know many people that feed tree hunt down there because again, it's it's a very difficult tactic. Like well, we've tried it before, and it doesn't hasn't hasn't worked out for me down there ever. Uh, and I've never met anybody that mm-hmm. you know was successful down there doing it, but he has. Um, and again, that's how he shot an absolute giant. Um, so you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Again, you find guys like this that again up until very recently, up until I pretty much asked Scott if you guys are the or you know, this group that I've heard about, this, you know, mysterious group that, like, <laughs> isn't on social media, you yeah. know, doesn't share anything, none of that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, that's us. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> Got him. I mean, dude, <laughs> that dude, yeah. It's like, holy crap. We've been uh, searching for you forever, man. Yeah. And there's some great dudes, too, man. We hit it off with them so fast. I mean, we walked in there, and we were talking to those guys like we've been, like, hunting with them for, a, like, a week or something in hunting camp. I mean, it was it was really, really fun going over to Scott's house and, and talking to them. The, I mean, the recording was two hours, but we were over there for five at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, for real. I mean, we yeah. stayed for a long time, oh, drank man. some beers, had a good time, t- swapping stories, talking about deer. Uh, it was it was, a, it was a lot of fun. So we're going to have to do it again with those fellas. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. Just the, the, the survivability of these deer is just, something that's becoming more and more interesting to me. Uh, especially, like I said earlier, talking to Shane, which I guess kind of use this as a segue unless you got anything else. Um, you know, talking with Shane, he's got all these deer showing up on camera. He's had some of them multiple years, but a lot of the bucks that Shane's getting on camera are like very clearly mature bucks. And I mean, we don't know how old they are, but they've survived a couple seasons where presumably they had a nice rack on their head and haven't gotten killed. Um, and they're, they're still showing up on camera. So that's just 
very interesting to me because I'm thinking about all this rifle pressure and all these different people hunting it and all the people who are bow hunting it because I've seen a big increase in bow hunting pressure in the last two years, I feel like. I don't know if you have, but I, I definitely feel like there's been a lot more bow hunters out and about lately. Um, and these and these deer just aren't getting killed. And they're just living right in there amongst where all the other deer are living. And they're somehow just avoiding getting killed. And it goes back to the the idea of when you're hunting that mature buck, you're hunting a completely different animal than anything else that's out there. And that goes back to Adam and Heath Jolly talked about that. Nathan Killen talked about that. Troy Pottinger. Tony Myers. Tony Myers. All these Which, like, by the way, he's bucked out now. Yeah, on three good ones, yeah. too. <laughs> Golly, man. He's impressive. Uh, but, yeah, all these there, – there's definitely a difference in, in people who we've had on the show – uh, so, like there's a lot of guys who are like deer killers, they're buck slayers, and then there's some of them who are just like old buck killers. You know, like they kill like that that different kind of breed, that different kind of deer. I kind of feel like Nick and Scott are like that. Um, and you know, Shane too. Um, talking with Shane, we're targeting like scrapes and stuff with our cameras. And Shane, you know, we had the whole series with him, and and he's had a tremendous amount of luck with it. Just a little update for everybody. Last week we talked about uh, I went and found two big community scrapes on two knobs. Basically, there's there's a I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. Don't. <laughs> there's a. I'm going to be Nick here again. Again, Nick. Nick right, was Scott's let, handler. I, I'm your handler. Yeah. On this one. Yeah. So let's think of it this way. There's just you get secondary ridge points that are come off a main ridge. There's. Well, it's really one secondary ridge. Now you're now see now you're getting too specific. I was trying I'll try to make it more. One secondary ridge. <laughs> and there's two thermal hubs on this ridge. Yeah, there you go. Okay. There's actually more than that, but I'm not gonna tell you how many there are. <laughs> there's two good looking thermal hubs on it. Yeah. Okay. And they're in line with each other on this ridge. So you're going, you know, if the if the ridge is like a straight line, on the right side you have one, you know, a quarter of the way up that line, and then you have another one three quarters of the way up the line. And in between those two, there's in between each thermal hub is like a high spot. Those high spots had big community scrapes on them. Which, by the way, were you impressed that you found two community scrapes that close to each other? Actually, yeah. Like I don't know what that tells me quite yet. Uh, maybe it just means there's a lot of deer. Maybe there's different core groups of deer moving on each through each thermal hub. It, it tells me there's going to be a taxidermy bill after we hunt there, hopefully. <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea. <laughs> uh, it turned out way better than I thought it would because when I first started walking in there, I was honestly kind of expecting like really low deer density, like not much sign. And at first it was kind of like that. But man, when I got into the sign, I mean, I got into it. It was as good as anything we find where we hunt with Scott and, and them. I mean, as good as anything we find out there. Um but uh, I threw that camera on, I threw a cell camera on one of the scrapes just because it's, it's, it's legit three miles back. So I ain't going in there to check that camera. So I threw a cell camera on it and uh, I've had uh, five different bucks show up. Um, some of them are small. One of them's like that in-betweener buck that I'm not going to shoot. If he walks out in front of me, I'm not going to do it, <laughs> which ah, anyways. Um, and then two of them are, are big deer. And they're really nothing crazy. They're just big, wide eight points, both of them. One of them, he's got like little nubby brow tines, but he's just really wide. The other one is probably just as wide. But which one was the in-between buck? Is that the second one you just sent me? No, I didn't send you the in-between buck. He's a, he's like a six-pointer. 
or something, or it might be an eight point. I don't know. Andrew's favorite six point. Yeah, man, I've killed me a bunch of six points. Uh, but yeah, th- those two bucks are pretty impressive, especially I think the second one because he's got nice big old brow tines on. I don't him. know that first one you sent me, dude. He's wide again. He might long just, tine length. He might be. He might just be a six point because again, he got. I don't think there's countable points for brow tines. Hey man, I, don't, he, I got nothing against six but points. He's an impressive deer. Very, very impressive buck. But again, they're all kind of coming through, checking those scrapes, and like, dude, just hanging out. And it seemed like a decent amount of bucks, at least recently, they're all still kind of together on that place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they so, are. But uh, you just that's it kind of it got me excited because I haven't seen all the photos. I don't know like when you're getting the does to come through, but you're saying like does are coming through, hitting the licking branch pretty often, right? Yeah. So actually, I've had more does hit that licking branch than bucks. So I've had a couple single does, and then a couple doe groups come through, and those does will come through. And there's, there's only one, like, real licking branch. It's it's a weird scrape. When I first found that scrape, I was looking around for a camera because I thought it was, like, where someone had thrown out bait because the area of the scrape was so large. I literally thought that it was, like, you know, you'll find where someone's thrown out corn or, like, rice bran and the ground's all disturbed and it's just, like, dirt. It looked like that. And there's just one licking branch. It's a pine that comes down and... Like that's what you they're should all have hitting. made another looking branch, bro. <sighs> you should have you should have primed it up like I did in Arkansas. I think it's doing fine as it is. I don't know. I mean, man, licking branch, Matt, licking branch magic. Greg Skufka podcast episode. I can't remember. Yeah, that I'm telling you, it's that's all, a good episode. It's, it's all about the licking branches, man. Well, the second one looks even better. I really wish I had a camera on the second one. Like I, I need to get in there and, and try to stick a camera on that second community scrape because honestly, again, the second one looks better than the first one. And there's some scarlet oaks dropping right next to it, and there's feed sign eight feet away from that scrape. Um, but yeah, those two bucks are really nice. I've, what I was telling Jacob is I've noticed that there's there's a pattern where these does will come through and hit that licking branch, and then those bucks are just a couple hours behind them. And it's almost like the bucks are just kind of like shadowing the does, you know. Uh, real quick, Licking Branch Magic with Greg Skufka. Again, uh-huh. if you're trying to make mock scrapes, guys, like this is like one of the podcasts to listen to. It's episode uh, 286. Episode 286, Licking Branch Magic with Greg Skufka. By the way, Andrew, you don't even have a description on this on iTunes. Oh, really? There's no description. That that might be from where we transferred over to our new service. Oh. Might have might have lost we, some we of We need those. to update that because that's a good one. Again, 286, yep. Greg Skufka, Licking Branch Magic. But... Kind of going back to this, um, again, you're just saying that, you know, there's feeds on there, there's scarlet oaks that are dropping, red oaks are dropping. So, you know, just sounds like a pretty dynamite, dynamite spot. Yeah, I need I need to go put my other camera on that scrape because I really, really want, you know, we're coming up on that hunt three weeks. I, I'd want two weeks of data on that. So I don't know if I can get out there this weekend or something. Or I'm going to have to make it happen, what? bro. You give, give me a GPS point. We, Maybe I'll just send you up in there. Maybe. I'll take a gun, though. So I might shoot you before this hunt. <laughs> don't you I, can't I, kill him. I, I'm taking a gun, bro. <laughs> we, we, I'm going to jump one up, bro. We're going Alabama style. Bro, you need to surgically insert this camera and surgically remove yourself <laughs> from the area. Dude, I'm, I'm just gonna, we're going to bushwhack a buck while we're hiking oh, up in there. Dude, it's a good spot, man. I think it's going to be a really good area. But yeah, that. That that's turning out really good. So those two bucks have showed up. Um, camera's gone a little quiet these last two or three days, though. Not not much coming by it. Interestingly enough, um, that that first big buck, by the way, the one that you like, the the really big one, uh, he was there in shooting light. So it's an infrared or whatever like flash picture because it was late, but there was still like ten uh, ten minutes of shooting light left when he showed up, and he was with two other bucks. 
Um, one of them was just a little scrag, like small thing. Snaggle. The other one is that that in between, uh, and then the third one was him, and then that's him and that in betweener buck got into it in front of the camera, which I can't wait to pull that card because it's got it's on video mode. So I'm interested to see if they were like kind of sparring or if he like whooped him and he started whooping up on him, you know. Uh, yeah, but I'm I'm excited about that area, man. I, I got really high hopes for it. And it's pretty much exactly what we were hoping it would be. Down below this ridge, there's some private land. It's pretty diverse with the kind of stuff growing down there. I'm not going to say too much. <laughs> and that they're, I, I was thinking they're going to be going down to that private at night. Um, and that's pretty much exactly what it's been like every time. Almost every single picture, all the big bucks have been coming from the ridge going down to that, towards that oh. private. There's been a couple of the smaller bucks that are coming back up, and I think a couple does that are coming back up, but almost all of them are heading down, and they're in that hub at last light or before last light. So Get in the you. afternoon. Mm, got chills. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking it, dude. I'm liking it quite a bit. But yeah, I would just, those two scrapes, I'm going to, I got Onyx right here in front of me. I'm going to measure how far away those two scrapes are from each other. Uh, because I don't think it's very far at all. And it is kind of weird that there's two that are that close. You know, it's like, why, why are there this many? Okay. Let's see. We're about 441 yards straight line through the woods from one scrape to the other. Interesting. What, what, what is your take on that? What do you think? Well, see, the, th- the problem is the way you're describing the one that you have a camera on doesn't even sound like a community scrape because it's only got one licking branch. Well, so that just sounds like a, there's a, uh, I don't know if you call it, call it a primary scrape or something like where it's just like a bunch of doe groups coming through and the bucks are kind of checking it yeah. out. That's what it, it sounds like that where it's like you got one licking branch, but it doesn't sound yeah. like, when I think of community scrape, I think of three, four five licking branches at least and a big tore up area, not the, just one licking branch with this big tore up. The, on can- the, the scrape that doesn't have a camera on it is that hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's sparkleberry and it's got like four three or four uh, licking branches coming out and they're all like, you know, twisted up or, or just chewed on. So, so, hey, one thing I thought about doing, okay, uh-huh. and this is something to put up for all the listeners. I've been thinking about this for a while to go out, go 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 on a little scouting trip, maybe in an area that you're not going to hunt a whole bunch, but if you find licking branches, you find like, you know, scrapes being worked, snip them off, snip off like a 10 inch section of it, put it in a bag and get like seven or eight of them. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then zip tie those suckers to like that that big community scrape that you're talking about finding, yeah, and enhance it where it smells like there's a bunch of other deer just you know having a field day in there, oh. and like transfer it. Like I've heard guys doing it with scrape like the ground, like digging up, like you find like a big scrape that maybe it's an area that you're not going to hunt, but like you dig up some of that dirt, bag it, and then pour it out in a new area as like for, like part of a mock scrape. <laughs> or, in, or enhancing it where it sounds it smells like it's totally different deer using it now. That is interesting. But do it with the licking branch. That's interesting. I don't know. I I could totally see that working though. I mean, I could totally see that working for Especially sure. Especially like one of these big licking branches that like deer have been using year after year. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. I don't want to. You know. Rain in the parade, but you snip with that bad boy off. Mm-hmm. Freaking walk over, put it into this other spot. You know, hike over, zip tied in, get real secure. Dude, I'm t- I'm telling. I think I think the bucks be like, what the heck is this, dude? <laughs> yep. Uh, dude, you want to go in there? 
For yeah. real? Yeah, I'm packing a rifle though. I ain't going. I ain't going unarmed. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna send you this pen. I think you ought to go in there. But I think you ought to go in a different way than I went in. Oh, great! I gar hole on me. So, so you don't. Uh, so you don't walk through the bedding. Because I, I, I think you'll see. I think the way that I walked in here, I'll send you my track. I think I've walked all over the bedding. Well, I know I did because I found a bunch of beds. <laughs> but I think there's a way you can access it where you're not going to be as invasive, you know. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're going to be kind of invasive, but mm. not terrible. I mean, it could be worse. Uh, but other than that, um, we had we had some hunts this weekend. I guess we go over some of those hunts. Yeah, I mean, dude, we'll yeah. keep everyone updated on that scrape and that hunt coming up. I'm really excited. About this, yeah. About this hunt, I think it's gonna be good. Dude, get your new scope all dialed in too, which is gonna be sweet. Oh yeah, definitely. Got got some new scopes. Got what? What is that? It's a Vortex. The Vortex Razor HD, the LHT, uh, which is a three by fifteen by forty two scope. It's freaking sweet, dude. Uh, I didn't realize. I mean, you got yours all dialed in. I've got to get mine sighted in here soon. But the uh, I love having the uh, illuminated. Um, like synoretical oh, on, on that site. I love it. Yeah. Right at the crosshairs, just touch. It's pretty much like a red dot. And dude, I've, I've had that on some of my old scopes and it's, God, it's such an awesome feature. Yeah. I really like, that's one reason I got that scope. I like the reticle in it because it, the, the center of the crosshairs is, it's actually just a dot. Um, and you can light up that dot and everything. And so you're right. It is very similar to a red dot, which I really, really love shooting with a red dot. So yeah, I, I really like that scope so far. Um, haven't had a chance to shoot something with it yet, but that's going to change here soon, hopefully. <laughs> it's come, oh, it's coming out for sure. When you think turkey calls, think of Houndstooth. Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configurations. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB Hen, some days I might like the Ghost Cut. Some situations I might like the Country Girl call, you know, that I can cut on really hard where on other situations I might like the all pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation and hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP24. That's SOP24. Use that promo code. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is 
unbelievable. Like everybody's jaws were dropping. Like when we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. It's a great option. Same chokes I have in my shotgun. So guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you could head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T-R-U-L-O-C-K-chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. Well, let's see. What was the, what was the first hunt? Did I, you- I went out Thursday. I went out uh, Thanksgiving morning. Okay. Yeah. And it, it was a crap shoot. Uh, wind was weird. It was like a, like an Southeast East wind. Uh, went and sat a spot. Actually, uh, stole one of Andrew's spots. So. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was. A I little, gave him a hard time it, for it, it. It was a little salty. He was a little. I felt. I did feel really bad. I felt. <laughs> I felt really bad. I might have left the spot oh, no. way earlier than normal. Oh, it, felt, it ended up working out because it wasn't a great spot. No, 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 for real. Like you would have. Like yeah, not not a spot I'd go back to personally. Uh, way too many people sign. Like God, there's so much people. Sign. I mean, there. I've like sometimes you'll find trash in a spot. <laughs> you don't find normally like freaking seven Debbie. It looked like I'd been there before, and like seven, you know, Debbie, <laughs> little, Debbie, little, Debbie cake, little Debbie cakes sitting there, dude. Little labor cakes, freaking like seven Monster Energy drinks, like eight Gatorade bottles, all in this one, oh all gosh. within fifteen feet of where I sat up. Look, we were talking about this spot the night before, and Jacob's like, "Oh, I might just go in there." I'm like, "No, I'm going to go in there on Friday." And then I, I it's kinda, like I kind of misheard that part, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to go." And in then there. it's like the next morning, Jacob <laughs> takes me. He's like, "This spot sucks, bro." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this this this, uh, this spot just so uh, so so that was a uh, we mentioned on the last Friday breakdown something about uh, hunting low spot like thick low spots on power lines in the evenings mm-hmm. especially, and uh, that's what that spot was. We I just like I basically just got on the map and kind of strategically zoomed around and and looked for thermal hubs where like a power line crossed through it and you had some like thick cover. And that's kind of what that spot was. It wasn't quite a thermal hub, but I thought because of how the hill was angled that it would funnel them through there, and it just didn't. I mean, like, it, it didn't set up how it looked on the map, basically, yeah. is what you said? Yeah, no. Nah, the way the, the ditches and everything ran, it, it nothing crossed the power line like it should have, like like you'd imagine, like that low spot. Uh-huh. It was kind of weird, and, like, where it was that low spot where a creek kind of crossed. Um it did not set up great for tracks. I mean, I found some tracks up above it, like on the high stuff, but it's like super exposed. And I'm like, I don't imagine, like I can see does maybe walking through here. I don't, I can't imagine a big buck unless he's on a hot doe walking across this spot. Like there's no, this, this is not going to happen. Uh, yeah. But, and, and I was kind of afraid that there was going to be a lot of people signing there too, because I mean, it's, it's a giant, giant power line right next to a highway, you know? So I don't know. Were people like walking in from that highway? Yeah, I could. So I, you know, I drove around to the yeah. other side. Uh-huh. I could glass to the spot where you talk about sitting, and I could see bottles sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I told you. All, that's why I take you. I'm like, dude, there's people signing everywhere. Oh my god! Like, literally, like to the spot you had your pen. I'm looking over there. I'm like, there's there's like Gatorade bottles and water bottles oh all right in that spot. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's the pecker head who's leaving all his freaking Gatorade I don't know. bottles. I'm like, dude, if you're not freaking having a backpack, put your crap in your backpack and carry it out. So that's terrible. Um, well, so that was that was the first. The, then the next morning was when it was going to rain, wasn't it? Yeah, and I I, I didn't get out the, the rest of that week uh, or the, the, the those hunts, but that yeah, sucked. Yeah, you went out and um, what did you use? 
you you had I, you had some you had your rain you had your duck jacket and everything with you, and you kind of did you just like kind of suck it up in the rain and just well like, so I yeah I got in there it actually wasn't raining I thought it was gonna be raining when I walked in but I got out there and I'm trying to do a little bit of the tactics that that Nick and everyone was talking about letting the pressure kind of push deer to you there's this one gate on this place that leads back to a couple hundred acres of good looking stuff and there's a cutover back there and uh that's where i outsparted myself man um there's a cutover back there and i i go park at that gate one day and i just go running i literally like ran back there because i only had like 25 minutes or something to go scout and so i park at the gate and i run back to this cutover and i'm looking around and there's boot tracks everywhere bike tracks boot tracks like there's people going to this cutover for sure and so I'm looking off to the edges of it and I'm looking downwind specifically and I notice this hub up against um, a back wall. And I'm like, okay, that looks good. Like it kind of checks a couple boxes. It's downwind of where everybody's hunting. It's got a back wall. It's got aggressive terrain around it, meaning there's there's some bluffs along either side of it. The, the actual thermal hub is about three acres in size. Um, so it's a decent sized thermal hub. And it had some fallen trees in it that I could see on the map. So I figured that the hub itself would actually be thick. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go give this a try. Thinking that if anybody came in behind me, that anything they blew out, just because of how the terrain lays, would probably end up in this general area over near the hub. And then maybe with all the funneling effects, you know, they would end up actually in the hub or, or going around the edge of it where I could see them. And so I went in and I sat and I got set up and I got in a horrible horrible tree it was freaking wet trying to climb it slick it was not fun getting in that tree and uh i it got daylight and i sat there and it was like maybe 8 30 i was like man i just don't really know about this it didn't look like quite how i thought it would on the map which you know is going to happen when you go in before daylight um the ground was a lot thicker than i thought it was going to be and not really the good kind of thick it was just a lot of blowdown, where a deer actually couldn't easily walk through that stuff and there wasn't very much buck sign down in there. And so I get up and I'm like, well, I'm just going to, I'm looking at the radar and we're about to get just smashed by a thunderstorm. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to like kind of slip hunt in the rain. And I, I'm getting to the bottom of the tree and it kind of starts raining. And I was already wet from bear hugging the tree and stuff, trying to get out of it. So I was like, whatever. So I just had my, uh, my wick shirt on with the hood up and my hat on and just went slip hunting. And I went up on top of one of the bluffs that was next to this thermal hub. And just mondo buck sign up there. Big old, huge rubs on the edge of it. You get photos? No. Oh, um, see. It was raining. Maybe they probably some little tiny rubs. Right? No, you I'm just, telling you, good freaking rubs. You know what they say, water magnifies, so maybe that rain magnified Ma- the rubs. Maybe, maybe it did. You never know. <laughs> I don't know. You couldn't hunt this place without a helicopter. That was the problem with it. Like, there's just no way you could I'm sure. I'm sure we got a listener with a helicopter. We can make it happen. We probably do have a listener with a helicopter. Well, um, you got a cousin. I do have a cousin. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I go slipping past all this, you know, sign next to this bluff, and I start still hunting through these pines. And these are big, mature pines that were thinned a couple years ago, and they still got some decent underthor- understory. Underthory. Under- <laughs> <laughs> decent understory <laughs> underneath them. I tried to combine understory and underneath, I think. Um, and I'm just, like, slip hunting through, and uh, I look up, I'm coming through this big saddle and I kind of was suspecting there might be something in the saddle. And by this point, it's like probably nine 30 and I'm raining. thinking raining, like raining good and hard too. you know, steady rain. I'm soaking wet. 
Uh, and I'm figuring that, hey, if there's anybody in that cutover, they probably got up and left already. They're probably, or, or they're doing what I'm doing. I, I doubt they're just sitting there. And there's this big saddle that kind of leads out of that cutover. And I kind of start dropping into it. Big saddle. How how, how big are we talking? Okay, let's see. How do you measure a saddle? Uh, you're going to do the um, area measurement on Onyx. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to measure this. So this saddle, this is actually a really good idea because this is going to give people a decent idea. So like the saddle, like the basin of the saddle where you get into it and you look around and you can see all the, all the stuff is about uh, 10 acres roughly. That's big. Big saddle. So that's what I mean, you know, when a lot of people are looking at a topo map and, and they see like all these like really obvious saddles on top of hills that are maybe a little bit tighter. If you like measure the area between the two high spots, uh, it's not going to be very big a lot of times. Like those are your tighter saddles. I'm talking about like big giant saddles where like an entire ridge kind of breaks away from a different ridge and there's a low spot in between. That's what this was. Um, I start dropping into it and sure enough, I'm like watching ahead of me and I just see like the body of a deer slipping between two pines and I saw antlers, instantly saw antlers. So I was like, okay. And I immediately dropped my pack, popped my, uh, my scope cover off, which is still out there somewhere. Cause I could not find that thing. I don't know what I did with it. So looked all over, couldn't find that, but, uh, instantly lost my scope cover and, uh, Start basically sneaking up on the deer. I mean, he was probably, let's see, let's measure this too. Let's see how far he was because I got the spot pulled up. He was roughly 175 yards when I first saw him. And uh, he was on the opposite hillside from me. And I start sneaking down and I get maybe within uh, 120-ish. There's a lot of pine trees between us. He's got some cover and I can't really see him that well. And I, I get close enough and I kind of start throwing the rifle scope up and trying to see what he is. And he's coming through some gaps and I'm, I was like safety off for a minute, but my, my freaking scope, man, fogged up bad, like really bad. And I could not, I either couldn't find him in the scope when he was coming through an opening or when I did find him in the scope, he was obscured by something and the scope was fogged and I just really couldn't tell what he was. Man, you get you know you gotta close your mouth when you're looking through the gun. You're looking at the scope, bro. bro. Uh, the, mouth, the, you mouth breather had the freaking just fogged up, bro. <laughs> God. Well, I put the freaking anti-fog stuff on it. It just did not work What, what anti-fog stuff you use? Cat crap. Yeah. I remember when you brought you used to say, oh, yeah, you got put some cat crap on it. I'm like, you're digging up cat crap and just like freaking like rubbing cat crap Oh, yeah. See, that was Mark and Robbie at at Mark's Outdoors because I asked them I'm like do y'all have that, that stuff you put on your scope that makes it not fog up because this is the second time that's happened to me on this place within a mile of this spot that uh, a buck has gotten past me because my scope fogged up but anyways um, and they were like cat crap's it yeah cat crap is it didn't work at all not even a little bit even my binos fogged up pretty bad and I put it on those two and uh, yeah I I don't know. I just couldn't confirm what he was. I mean, he definitely had like a good rack. I saw his, immediately saw his rack, no binos or anything. That's like the first thing I saw. 175 yards in the rain. 175 yards in the rain. Okay. So I think he was a pretty good deer, but I wasn't going to shoot because this place has antler point restrictions and it doesn't matter if it's like a giant forky. Like if you shoot it and it doesn't have three on one side, you're going to get in trouble. Going to prison. Yeah, put you under the jail, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, I just I couldn't confirm it, and then he eventually ended up getting away from me. So he kind of slipped through the saddle, and he was gone forever. But it's a good looking spot. Uh, so I ended up picking up and getting out of there. After that, I still hunted around a little bit more, and uh, ended up driving around for most of the rest of that day. 
and and just kind of scouting people, uh, going and looking at different spots. Ended up finding another really good gas line spot that I think is going to be excellent on the muzzleloader hunt, by the way, if you want to go hunt it sometime. You ain't got to tell me twice. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good spot for the muzzleloader hunt. Um, and you didn't hunt that day, did you? Mm-mm. Like at no. all? I, I, after you went on a track. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I went on a track like at noon. And that's why I'm all tore up. Actually, I look a lot better today. My, my body heals pretty quickly. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we went on a track for a guy. Um, his wife shot shot a uh, doe with her with her bow. The first deer she ever shot with a bow. And uh, he was telling me, he's like, man, you know, I think she got like six inches of penetration. Not a ton, but she's using a big mechanical. And uh, we went out there and he shot also a, a deer that morning. So there was blood from his deer he shot. And Pepper got distracted by his deer because his deer left a lot of blood and they drug it out and all that kind of stuff. But we couldn't find that deer. We couldn't find blood for like an hour and a half. And finally, he thought the deer, they were sitting in a little ladder stand or had her in a little ladder stand. He was in the saddle behind her. And the deer was shot directly from the stand and it ran out kind of, you know, to like the one o'clock position, kind of like yep. ran out away from him. And uh, he thought it was dead up there somewhere, but they just couldn't find it. And it rained a little bit. It rained a good bit that morning. Uh, but we found blood. A hundred. We found blood directly below the stand on the opposite side of the tree of where the deer was shot at, like 60 to 70 yards from the tree stand. And I'm like, huh. 180. Yeah. I'm like, that deer did a big old loop around the stand, took off running. And it was me and Pepper got on it. But I called her off after a while. I was like, dude, I, just, I think the deer was one lung hit. I can't run her off lead. Um, and uh, we we're actually on a piece of public. Couldn't, couldn't run her off lead. Uh, so if it was one long, I can't let her catch it and, you know, wear it out. Um, so I was like, dude, I, just, I don't think the deer's dead. And we, we tried again. It was a total like three, just over three miles. We were out there. Um, so that, that sucked. But I told my man, you know, call me again. Freaking she shoots another one, you know, we'll go, you know, hopefully, you know, better hit and everything. And we can kind of make something happen. But I think he, I think she just hit in the shoulder. He thought, he thought horizontal, it looked good and even vertical, like it looked good. But I'm like, did I think because of her standing where we were sitting at, it's actually a pretty level shot to her. It was kind of uphill. And I think she just hit high and hit it right on the shoulder and uh, didn't get much penetration. Got maybe a little bit of long and that was it. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, other than that, I didn't, I didn't hunt the rest of the day. Actually, no, I did lie. No, I, I'm lying. I did hunt that afternoon. Oh, yeah. You hunted what looked like a freaking awesome spot that afternoon. Yeah. Hunted, hunted a it looked pretty awesome. It, it turned out, it looked, again, great. And I was like, man, this might be, it really might be a great spot during the rut, for real, because it's, uh, it's again, one of these little open little straightaways right between, a, you know, pine thickets. You get clear cut on each side. You get probably, they're probably four-year-old clear cuts, um, probably four, maybe five. Pines are, like, probably, like, chest high on you, um, chest to, you know, head high. And, uh, you know, a bunch of tall grass and everything, and you get this long straightaway goes right through it. And, again, perfect, you know, travel corridor. If a buck's going from one pond thing to the other pond thing, he's got to go right through this opening right here. And you can see for a, a good long ways. Um, but sat there that afternoon, nothing showed up, uh, which, again, didn't overly surprise me. But it seems like it'd be a pretty good spot, especially for a morning hunt later, you know, during the rut. But uh, other than that, that was the last time I hunted. Um, you got out, I think, a little bit more. Actually, no, I stay online again because I took Gavin. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we uh, that that next morning, I decided that I was I was so torn. I didn't know if I wanted to hunt the gas line spot that looked really good because it, it looks good. But I've always had better luck in spots like that and on evening hunts. And uh, I I was either going to go there or I was going to go to the saddle where I saw the buck in the rain. And I was I was literally 
like driving out that morning and I didn't know where I was going to go. And at the literally the last second, I turned and I went to the saddle in the pines. Mm. Did the same thing. So another thing I did, by the way, was I, I parked a little bit away from the gate I was actually hunting behind because I actually wanted somebody else to come in there and park at that gate and walk in behind me. And uh, the area is really, really big behind the gate. So, like, there would be no problem if somebody did do that. Um, and sometimes if you park in front of a gate, like, other people aren't going to park there, even if it is a big area. So I just wanted to give this other guy who was hunting the same area, the same guy both days, I wanted to give him some space. I never talked to him, but I saw his truck and everything. Where he would, he for sure would park at that gate well, and walk in. Well, it's a false sense of space. Yeah. Because you're already there. You're just parking a different spot. And yeah. he's like, oh, there ain't nobody here. And he's walking, dang it, there's flashlights. No, I, you, I, you, pull, you pull the Wesley Moe. Well, so when I was walking in, I was, you know, I, I walked off the gate and the gate goes like off a hill or the road goes off a hill and goes back up another hill. And I was about halfway up the opposite hill and I heard gravel popping where he was pulling up to the parking spot. And I turned around and saw, like, the headlights coming through the tree. Like, I couldn't see his headlights yet, but I saw, like, the glow coming through the woods. And so I took my headlamp off and, and turned it off and kind of stood there for a second in the dark. And I saw him pull up to the gate, throw it in park, and cut it off. So I was like, heck, yeah. And so I turned around and I started walking back up the hill, no flashlight. And I didn't turn my flashlight back on until I got up and over the other side of the hill because I didn't want him to look and be like, crap, there's somebody walking through the woods with a flashlight. So he never knew I was there. It was, yeah, man, incognito. <laughs> and this is where this is where it gets stupid. Okay, this is where you don't try to get clever. Okay, because I beat him in there, and I could have went and I I could have sat the cutover that he had been hunting. Clearly, been hunting this cutover a lot, and so I was like, ah, eh, he's been pressuring it really hard. I'm not going to hunt it. I walk in there. I get in my my measly little saddle, and he goes and he goes to his uh his cutover. And I'll be dang if that sucker doesn't shoot at like 6.30 a.m. It's you, a buck-only hunt. You, you need to go help him drag? No. Did it sound like you hit it? Could you hit it? No, yeah, he hit it. He hit whatever he shot uh, at. I, so so explain that for listeners. Because I actually did this with Gavin where I was telling him, I'm like, you can hear. You can hear if, if someone hits. shoots with a rifle, you can hear whether or not they actually hit what they're shooting at. Or like. That was backwards. What the hell, dude? You don't even know what it sounds you, like. No, you, you hear the hit first and then the shot. Yeah, it's it's like a, yeah it's exactly what it sounds like mm-hmm. and like when we were out on not to jump ahead when we were on the farm whatever like yesterday hunting the neighbor shot twice and i'm like he didn't hit what he hit i mean he he's pretty close to us probably within yeah. 500 yards and it was just <laughs> i'm like yeah he's not hitting. he missed it he, he missed <laughs> yeah that's exact that's the sound that's that's the sound of a hit right there yeah yeah so yeah he shot at like 6 30 i'm like well i'm an idiot because i just worked so hard to like go and get in the spot i should have just sat the cut over i don't know why i don't hunt cutovers more i was telling you that um yeah i did not see anything at all that morning it was a, it was a pretty still morning that was before a uh, storm was going to roll in and the morning was calm and beautiful and cold. Perfect morning for you know, Perfect morning for a cutover. I chose to not hunt the cutover, and then that jerker went in there and shot something. I don't know what he shot. He could have shot like a three-point, you know, but he also could have killed like a nice buck. I don't know. And uh, so I ended up calling you. I'm like, hey, I don't know what to do for this afternoon. I, I kind of explained to you, and you were telling me about the track you went in and how that kind of set up. And just talk about that for just a second, like just the sheer amount of deer sign where you tracked that doe for that guy and, and kind of what that habitat was like. Yeah, so the habitat, it was like big mature pines <clears throat> that had been probably select cut 15 years ago or something like that. I mean, these are like, these are big trees. I mean, to the point like you can get a climber on them. Like it's not like they're too big to get like, even a climber on them, but they're like 
they're not little pine trees. They, these are like big, mature, 25-plus-year-old pines that probably are, to be honest, are ready to be cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and the understory was extremely thick. Again, it was nothing but pines. It's not like there's any oaks or any kind of hardwoods in there. There's nothing but pines. But on the understory, it was a bunch of green briar, and there's browse everywhere. Everything was green and lush underneath these trees. But it was briars. It was real tall and thick. I mean, it's a lot of spots. Like, you, if you're on the ground, you might not be able to see, you know, 10 yards on the ground. But if you got up in a tree, you could see for a long, long, long ways down through all this stuff. And just, it, it reminded me of a spot I'd shot a deer, I don't know, back in 2018 in a spot very similar to this. And this guy is talking about, um, you know, on this piece of public, you know, first of all, there was dope, there was droppings, there was deer droppings everywhere. I mean, there was so much just droppings and tracks in this area. When we were tracking, I was telling him, hey, there's a ton of sun. He's like, yeah. He's like, this is a spot that like does use and the bucks will really start cruising in here, you know, in the next couple of weeks. And he was showing me a big buck he'd killed in that area uh, the year previously. But it was just something that he's even keyed it on too. Like, you know, you had like these big mature pines that have this real thick understory, but it's got a ton of brows. It's not just pine needles and it's not just like dead stuff. It's a lot of brows. It's honeysuckle. There's muscadines. Uh, there's a bunch of like goldenrod that's growing up. There's a bunch of different things that deer are eating on in that area. And it's like, imagine like a big food plot, but the food plot's six foot tall of vegetation. That's what it looks like underneath it. There's eating everything. Um, and I was like, man, that's, you know, pretty slick. And I was thinking, I was like, man, where are some spots on, you know, our piece of puppet that, you know, sets up kind of for that. And, um, you know, I had some in mind, but also some that had been cut, but you were asking me kind of where you ought to go. And I was like, dude, I'd go freaking where I've been seeing all these bucks around this one this one kind of clear cut cut over area um and you kind of went in there and it, it, if it wasn't for you freaking tree surfing i mean as high up you were in the tree man how how, far, how much you think that tree was moving left or right or like back and forth like how many feet you think uh not much because this is actually a pretty big tree but um enough where every once in a while when that like gust caught it just right it would lean and you'd be like whoa <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh just imagine that second you start hearing creaking and popping and uh, like, you going down uh, so. <laughs> man yeah i i went in there and hunted that spot and i think it's a, a great spot um it's a it's in a cutover and there's a, a small ditch that comes up through the cutover that they cut all the way through and that big buck you talked about on last week's Friday breakdown came out of that draw, and you were hunting the bottom of it where it crosses a power line, and this time I was hunting the top of it where it comes up through the cutover. And so I, I come in up off the backside, high winds, super, super clean access because they can't hear me like at all. And uh, I, I climb up in a tree, and man, I'm in there for like 30 minutes. I'm like, I think this was a mistake. <laughs> like It starts like misting and raining on me. And I mean, that wind is just screaming right in my face the whole time. Well, I'm taught, I, I told you it was like a leaf blower to the face for like three hours. <laughs> it was terrible. And like the sage in there is just whipping. It's like laid over on the ground. Uh, it was bad. I was like, I don't think the deer are going to be up in this stuff. I thought, I think they were probably in some shorter pines or, or not shorter pines, but like some decent sized pines, some six, seven foot pines that are blocking the wind really well, kind of dense cover like that rather than out in that sage grass and stuff. And the deer sign is there. I mean, I saw a lot of deer sign in the area walking in, but just nothing. I didn't see anything. And so, yeah, that was actually, that was actually the first two hunts of the year that morning, that evening that I hunted and did not see a deer. Bringing back to reality. Bringing me back to reality. I know. Had to, the streak had to end sometime. Mm. So, yeah, that 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 well, was well, not fun. Well, see what's funny, dude. I I was telling Thomas this like 
called him because he's up in Arkansas still hunting. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I'm like, dude, you we come. I come back from like seeing like 14, 15, 18, 20, 25 plus deer a hunt like in a day. To like come back, I'm like, dude, if you see like six or seven, like that's a great hunt. That was dude. a great hunt. And I'm, yeah. and I'm like, I've already had a couple back home. I'm like, I haven't seen anything. And I'm like, dude, like, I miss, you know, miss a little bit of that, dude. Miss the high deer density yeah, river high, bottom stuff. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's some fun hunting. I was like, okay, like, you know, bring, yeah, bring you back to reality. Like, you know, not every place is like that, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, that's just, that's the highlight of it. it I saw somebody make a post. Uh, it's on one of the Facebook groups and they're like, how do you deal with like failed hunts and like stay enthused and like enthusiastic about like continuing hunting? And I was like, how do you deal with failed hunts? And I, I never asked the guy or saw like what he describes as a failed hunt, like where you missed an opportunity at a buck or you like, you just didn't kill a buck in general. Cause I'm like, if you're if you're talking about like not killing a deer every single hunt, I'm like, dude, God bless you, man. You need to go hunt a high fence <laughs> or something. You know, if, if that's the case, yeah. uh, because it's, it's not going to happen very often. Even guys like um, uh, Colton Ship, who we had on back in, I guess, October, um, you know, he talked about that. You know, he hunts, you know, he has a very high success rate, but he also puts in a ton of work and scouting. So, like, when he does it, go and hunt, it's a pretty much, not necessarily a slam dunk, but, you know, he's got pretty much everything going for him for a specific deer. But, you know, not many guys I know have like super high odds of success, you know, per sit. You know, I think if you're over, you know, especially like when it comes to like killing something, dude, if you're over 10%, you know, per You're in good shape. Yeah. I thought you're pretty freaking solid, dude. Um, so anyways, yeah, just, you know, you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have a lot of days when you're not really seeing much of anything. So anyway. But, yeah. Um, do you have anything, uh, anything else? We got. We need to read some reviews because man, we haven't read reviews in a hot minute. No, what you got? Yeah, what we got? Uh, I don't even remember the last review that we read. You don't. It, even, it's been a while. You which you know, everybody. I'm sure, like the listeners, like we've we've changed like the name of the outro. It's now the the Friday breakdown. So just a little behind the scenes stuff that's been happening lately. We've actually hired an editor, and uh, and he edits all of our podcasts now. He's a professional editor. So hopefully the the uh, the sound quality's gotten a lot better. I've definitely noticed a huge difference. So shout out to Harold for that. Harold's our editor. Um, he's the same guy that edits Gundog It Yourself. Um, and because we've moved to this new recording and editing format, uh, we have to record some of these out in advance. So, you know, I can't be recording this on a Thursday night and sending it to Harold and be like, hey, man, uh, we got to drop this at 5 a.m., <laughs> you know, which is what we did quite often before uh which you know created some bottlenecks made it made it kind of hard a little time constraint uh so so we're having a recording in advance now uh so we're still trying to get adjusted to the new flow of things i guess but the good news is this has opened us up to do a lot of new stuff including some pretty crazy video stuff that we're gonna be doing pretty soon hey real quick andrew the one that we're gonna start with is from thicket cricket november 3rd that's the one to start with okay let's see let me find it Thicket Cricket, the legend. Uh, must have shot your buck. Had to change thickets. The old cricket got to save a few deer for them weekend warriors. Button buck nuts don't hurt your back, dumping them corn bags in your feeders and dragging out those spikes. Congrats on the baby. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, Thicket Cricket, on the congrats for the baby. Yeah, again, uh, you know, got some reviewers beefing with each other. I think someone said something about, uh, you know, Thicket Cricket. Just being like some kind of insect or something like that. Yeah, because he moved down. <laughs> yeah, the one because the last one we read was uh, I think it was 
uh, yeah, Big Buck Nuts talking about him moving down, Thick Creek moving down to uh, Mississippi. Mm. And he's like, you better watch out for them Delta Bullfrog, boy. Yeah, yeah, boy. <laughs> um, so this is from Jay Howell, 9316, five-star review, listener success stories. The show is still great as always. Keep up the good work. Did y'all get away from listener success stories? Enjoyed hearing those tidbits from folks that were finding useful uh, from different episodes. So I think he's talking about when we actually used to do a bonus episode every yep. week with listener success stories. And we did get away from that. So we haven't done those bonus episodes, um, but we're still taking listener success stories coming in and we're actually doing drawings with that, which I think maybe we we'll probably have to cut in an in intro on this one. Uh, yep. This Friday breakdown, the winner. So you'll, you've heard already the winner for October's giveaway in, in this episode. And then, um, which when I'm saying the winner, giving away an Onyx Elite membership uh, each month to a listener success story. Again, for anyone that submitted those on our website, submitted the listener success story form, uh, you go into a drawing every month uh, for uh, one of these Onyx Elite memberships. So we're giving away October's membership. And then next week's Friday Breakdown, we're going to draw the November winner's membership as well and announce that. And we're probably going to get those guys actually, or guys or gals on the podcast uh, for a little segment, uh, just kind of tell their story about their specific deer. And uh, and so y'all can kind of hear that. But yeah, we used to do a bonus episode uh, specifically on listener success stories. But yes, uh, Jay Howe, we did get away from that from this that, year. Yeah, that's moved on over to the website. So you can go over to the southernoutdoorsman.com and find listener success stories over there published in article form. Uh, so I'm working on getting some more of those. I think I've got like 18 in the queue right now that Ooh. need to go up. So I'm going to be posting those soon on there, and you're going to be able to get on there. And it's going to be the same thing, but you're just going to read it instead of listen to it. All right, so you get this uh, JM Hunter. Okay. Uh, best show, period. Five stars. It's a JM Hunter 1225. So this is the one I mentioned earlier. Uh, been a listener since day one. And have really enjoyed the evolution of the show into the format it is today. Both the hosts still feel relatable, but have really honed their format structure and content to where now every episode is a smash. Please consider, though, some relative descriptions of spots or terrain features. For example, when describing a saddle or a ridge, give a ballpark acreage for relativity. Or when describing a particular spot, something like, imagine an 80-acre rectangle with an SMZ down the middle. Size and general shapes to spots and terrain features would help listeners grasp concepts even faster. Keep up with the juicy content. Thanks, guys, for all that you do. Um, yeah, that's that's the one I mentioned earlier. I think that is really helpful. So I'm glad I'm glad you wrote in with that. And also, dude, a listener since day one. Holy smokes! <laughs> like, thank you for that. That's pretty. You know, me and Tiffany were talking about our early episodes, and I told her about Jacob and I went back and listened to episode one, and just like. Just the cringe, man. Like, I, I would delete the first fifty episodes. <laughs> if it was up to me. I was like, man, I, uh, yeah, those first like oh, twenty or so. Dude, dude I was just, t- whoo. At, at Thanksgiving. I was telling uh, one one of my, uh, I guess he's a cousin in law now. Uh, he's married to one of my first cousins. Uh, anyways, uh, I was talking to him. We were, he always asked me about the podcast, how everything's doing. Now I'm like, dude, it's doing great. And I'm like, we just came up. I just came up on a year now doing this full time. Yep. And. uh He's. I told him I went back and we listened to an episode that we just dropped <laughs> with Jeff Holman, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, I did. I went back and listened to that episode, but some other episodes from that time frame of like when I was at my old job and I was working six, seven days a week. You oh know, yeah, 60, Long days. 70 hours a week, and just you know, only be able to hunt like once or twice a month. 
and I went and listened to it because we were always doing podcasts late at night after work, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, dude, ten o'clock at night. No, it's like it's a different person now. Like, dude, Bruh. no energy. <laughs> it sounded depressing listening to me like talk. I'm like, oh yeah. my god, like it sounded terrible. And he was, I was telling him just how like that's all changed, and it's just it's hilarious to go back and listen to that some of that stuff. I'm like, you know, like ask, you know, we're asking good questions, but both of us was like dead to the world, dude. Dude, how many episodes do you think we recorded that ended up being really good episodes for us, like Jeff Homan, uh, that we recorded at like 10 p.m. on a Sunday night and then dropped it like five hours later? Over 100. Probably. Over 100. For real. I, I, th- I don't think that's an exaggeration at yeah. all. And you, like, you'd come over, we'd start recording, we'd finish at like 11.30, then I had to edit it. Hey, shout out to Harold again. You know, this is why this this has all changed. Yeah. You know, like people wondering why we're changing the format of the show. I'd have to edit it. I'd finish the edit at like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And then I would schedule it to drop at 5 a.m. And then I'd go to sleep. And then I'd wake up and I'd go to work <laughs> at 6 o'clock. So, yeah, that was that was a grind, dude. That happened quite a bit. And, you know, a lot of that's us, you know, not being the most organized guys. Um and yeah. so we kind of get behind the get behind the chains a little bit on recording, <laughs> and so now we got Harold keeping us accountable. He's like, "Hey, you got a recording for me this week?" I'm like, "God, Jacob, we got to record something." Yeah, we got to knock a cup out this week. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, man. There's there's a bunch like that. Golly, come a long ways, haven't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we get the Friday breakdowns. Andrew keeps texting me. He's like, "Oh, we got to do an outro." I'm like, "It's not an outro. It's a Friday breakdown." Remember? Yeah, I, Jacob's a freaking smart owl. Who bad? I'll be, like, <laughs> I'll be like, "Hey, you want to come over tomorrow and do an outro?" He's like, "No, but I'll come and do a Friday breakdown." I'm like, "Yeah, oh, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> it's because you gave me hell like the first time we switched over. I kept calling it outro. Like, oh, no, yeah. it's a Friday breakdown, man. Yeah, I got to like, taste my own medicine there. <laughs> yep. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, yeah, other than that, we uh rolling hot, getting ready for next week's episode. Hope y'all have enjoyed this episode, guys. Again, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with some friends and buddies. Talk about it on social media. We love it when uh you know someone asks about you know what podcast you recommend. Uh, on some of these groups, and y'all mentioned the Southern Outdoorsman, that's uh, greatly appreciated on our part. And uh, again, if you enjoy the podcast, go leave us a five-star uh, review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. We're trying to break a 1,000 reviews. We were trying to do it by the end of the year. I don't know if it's going to happen quite yet. We're at 956 by the time this uh, we're recording this. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to hit 1,000 uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. But anyways, all your uh, feedback is greatly appreciated. And uh, I guess, Andrew, by this point, is merch available now on the website yes it is all right so we get merch uh back up and lo- loaded had a, a trains over uh website anyways andrew's been dealing with websites and stuff and oh yeah new website but anyways you go check out the southern outdoors and merch southernoutdoorsman.com probably forward slash shop if i had to guess yep uh but anyways um you know let us know some listener success stories if you have success using tips or tactics from the podcast write in about those as well and we'll catch you back here guys on the next week's episode of the southern outdoorsman hunting podcast Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. 
A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.